0: Welcome back to The Great Indoors. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to tell you about our next season, which will be recorded live at MWC Barcelona from February the 26th to the 29th. You'll hear from industry experts, explore new innovations, and gain new insight into the world of connectivity. New episodes coming early March, wherever you get your podcasts. You've guessed it, TGI is back in Las Vegas. Welcome to The Great Indoors, a podcast where we look at the technological implications brought about by the next industrial revolution and how this can potentially help solve the biggest problems facing humanity. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me is my co-pilot and producer, Larissa Yee. And this time, some even more special guests. So for this new season, we have episodes that focus specifically on Canada and also interviews that we recorded at MWC Las Vegas this year. And that's where we'll start today in fabulous Las Vegas and for the third year in a row, The Great Indoors is the GSMA's official podcast for MWC Las Vegas, the biggest technology and telecom show in the United States. Unfortunately, however, for various reasons, I couldn't make the trip to Nevada this year, so I asked a good friend to help me out, and that good friend is Amdox's own Mike McDade. Now, Mike hosts his own Amdocs podcast, Your Career, Is It Choice or Chance? And that's why he's a perfect stand-in to join the TGA family for this special week so i'm really excited to introduce mike to the family i know he's had a great time in las vegas with some great guests so take it away mike
1: thank you matt you are right i am thrilled to be hosting the podcast from wonderful las vegas it was a terrible sacrifice for me to go to las vegas i have to be honest I went with high aspirations and I returned with with less money than what I started with. So but I guess this is the uh, the moral of the Las Vegas story, right? So I did want to highlight before we start that one of the new things that we introduced this season is the TGI open mic. And with the TGI open mic, we opened the great indoors to the wider population at MWC Las Vegas uh, to get the pulse of everything that they were hearing, they were thinking, they were seeing. We invited all of the attendees to join us there and to share their viewpoints on the hottest topics of the day across the wide world of technology. On this episode of The Great Indoors, I am fortunate to be joined, once again, not by one, but by two different guests. The first is Brandon Seamus, the founder of Continuously, and the second is Amber Kerr, Director of Software and Information Management at Union Wireless. Amber is responsible for a family-owned telecom provider that serves uh, Wyoming and and other surrounding states, where Brandon is focused on secure connectivity solutions for high net worth individuals, uh, celebrities and enterprises with sort of a white glove service. So uh, while they're focused on two very different parts of the communications demographic, if you will, uh, what's interesting is that they're both providing secure, accessible connectivity services to consumers. You'll hear some of the parallels in my discussion with each of them. I hope you enjoy the episode. I'm delighted to be joined today by Brandon Simus, the founder of Continuously. Brandon, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So tell us about you. So where'd you come from? What are you doing? And and then we'll get into some of the more uh, concrete things about what you're doing today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I founded Continuously approximately a year ago. We're a telecommunications company with a few different offerings. We have a premium offering that's focused on high net worth individuals, CC executives, celebrities, politicians, family offices, it's really anyone whose time is extremely
1: valuable and they handle a lot of confidential information where security is paramount. All right, so Brandon, let's, uh, let's, let's take us back. This isn't your first company, right? So can you can you talk to us a little bit about maybe where you got started and then we'll then we'll eventually get to the evolution, right? How we got to where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. So my first entrepreneurial venture that I remember
2: was when I was in third grade, I was looking at a magazine that turned out to be an Entrepreneur magazine. Not that I could read. Not that I could read that. <laughs> that it made a but, whole lot not, of sense. Exactly, I, I couldn't even read it. I happened to be flipping through the pages, and I saw this picture of a vending machine. It was a Venstar 3000. Okay. So it had three different options. You put it in the cord and you turn the crank. Yep. And I was talking to my father. He explained to me what the business is like and what the vending machine process is. Certainly. Sure, I,
1: I like wrap, not routes, right? But like you have different places where you place the machine.
2: Yeah, that, that's, like what, that's right? what it were. You, yeah. you would find different locations. Yeah. So I, I begged my parents to buy one, so I called the company. Yeah. They said the $350 to buy this plastic Venstar 3000, which when you're in third grade, that's sure. an awful sure. lot of money. That's, so that's everything that's, you'll like, ever make ever. Right? Exactly. That seemed like it was completely unattainable. Sure. So what I ended up doing is just using a little bit of perseverance. I ended up going on eBay, Craigslist. So I ended up finding a used one, taking a loan from my parents. Oh, wow. And then now I have this machine. What am I going to do with it? <laughs> So I, I ended up where I ended up getting a, a semi-news one that needs to be put back together. So I actually found of my friend's fathers helping put it back together, oh, got wow. some spare parts. So I'm like, all right, I gotta find a location. Okay. So I ended up going to school the next day. And I'm talking about it, and the assistant teacher in my classroom said my husband owns a video store. This was oh. back when there were independent okay. movie okay. rental stores. So we're yeah. talking a long, long time ago at this <laughs> at this point. No one was streaming at this sure. point, sir. Sure. And she said, why don't you go and talk to him? He's a very, very nice gentleman. He said, sure, you can put your vending machine in my store. So I ended up putting the vending machine in his store. The vending machine did surprisingly well. Okay. I was bringing on average 25 to $30 a week off okay. of this machine then I started buying roads. So people would sell five or six machines at one time, Right, right, go and buy five or six machines, and then I continuously bought larger and larger and larger ones. And then I had this until I ended up in high school, and then I couldn't do it anymore. But at my peak, I had 186 vending machines in two states. And you were in fourth grade then, right? Oh, no. At that point, (laughs) I was in... Probably eighth grade, I <laughs> think. Went, okay. Yeah, eighth grade. So still it still was still quite a while. I've still. Yeah, five years. I mean, wow. so you know, acquiring of 20, 30 machines at a time. I wow. ended up getting wow. to like a, a 136. So you got the uh, you got the taste for success from this, right? That's I did, works. and I had one other venture while I was doing this. Because that's not enough. Exactly. Yeah. I uh, realized that there is this need for animals in classrooms, and it's really important to expose okay. into. Uh, students to nature, to get them interested in nature, about preservation, environmentalism, but There's this really big problem. The animals are expensive to buy exotic animals because you don't want something that everybody has, like a hamster sure. or a goldfish. You want something that gets people excited. Right. Oh, look at this rare animal. Get them excited about science. Get them excited yeah. about nature. You need a sloth hanging from a... Hanging from a Exactly. Right? Like so yeah. I went out and I surveyed a bunch of different teachers, primarily science teachers, and said, are you interested in having a hedgehog in your classroom? Okay, all right. And I got letters of intent from a bunch of different teachers. I set out and procured quite a few hedgehogs and all the equipment required and i leased them hedgehogs so i would give them to them they would let the students take them home on the weekends okay. they get them in the classrooms i would take them back one weekend a month bring them to the vet whatever they needed wow. school vacations they were either allowed to keep them send them home to the trusted students or they could return them to me for the To school vacations, same goes on with the summer. As schools enjoyed it because it was a flat fee; they didn't have to worry about surprise veterinary bills. They didn't have to worry about buying food. They didn't have to worry about any additional expense if one passed away. They had to replace it. And then I got into
1: telecoms. No, I'm just kidding. Well, obviously, it's a logical transition. Exactly. That's why I went from luxury fashion to telecoms. It's the the same exact thing. Ironically, I do do want to ask you about that, right? Because what what I took away from your uh, your two examples, right, which are fantastic examples. You had a balance there. One was kind of a new and novel idea. One was maybe a bit more tried and tested, right? But but what I what I heard in both was that you were looking for this kind of uh, you know this unique opportunity, this thing that, that stuck out that somebody else wasn't serving, which I think is you know a, a, the traditional uh, find the unmet need uh, path, right? So. So you moved from that to maybe a few years later to yes, uh, to the definitely. inventory thing. So so can you give us a flavor like, what did you find there or, or what did you see when you started that was that was different? Right, because then I want to go to our our closer to our uh, home base here in Telco. So what
2: originally inspired the idea was was actually my mother was doing. Something similar to that. She was taking older items out of her closet that she wasn't wearing anymore, and she okay. was selling them online. And but when we were doing it, we eventually branched out, and I would occasionally go to estate sales because I was interested at that time. Estate sales were very popular. I'd buy some knickknacks from my house, I'd see these clothes, I say, oh, you know, I could buy this for a few dollars, I could sell it. Unfortunately, with used items like that, that's just not a scalable solution. So I put my business hat on and I said, okay. How do I turn this into a scalable business where we can actually have the economics of scale to make this a viable, prosperous endeavor? Effort. So I realized that used is not great; it has to be new, and there has to be a constant supply, and there has to be a constant. There's constantly a selection of over underutilized inventory, okay. whether that's overproduction, overruns, and they want to maximize the the recovery. Oftentimes, they take a loss on those, but they yep. want to minimize that as much as possible. We knew basically what one supplier would have excess of and what one customer would have demands for. So
1: like a, just a B2B
2: brokery? Exactly, situation. and we essentially became like a matchmaker. Okay. We tried different areas. We eventually got to luxury fashion because okay. of the margins. And it's a much, much harder sector to get into sure. because there's a lot less players in the space yeah. or a lot less protectionism around the
1: brand. Exactly. And exactly. Like you know, it depends on the contracts that yep. they have. Yep. Again, let's start with the offerings, if you can, to the future. So, so what, do you, uh, what do you guys do? What is continuously uh, focused on today and, and where are we going in the future? Yeah, so quite a while ago, I was looking for secure
2: communications as we were doing a lot of international business with continuously cybersecurity was always a top priority for us. We have to worry about corporate espionage, we have to worry about security, particularly when dealing with overseas. So we were looking for a really secure communication. Uh, this is, communications a, this is primarily on uh, like, let's say wireless communications or data or remote? This was really any type of communications. Okay. And we took great pride in our digital security sure. from our endpoints to our messaging applications yep. and everything in between. So we actually contacted this company, we ended up working with it, and now one of the gentlemen who was one of the founders of that company and was one of their technology executives is now working with us. Okay. They specialize in secure communication and I was having regular conversations with them and their executive team. And we were realizing that there's a, Big demands for high net worth individuals. High net worth individuals, unlike before, and unlike the average system, we're having highly sophisticated, targeted attacks on their devices, trying to get so their information. Bullseyes all the time. Exactly. Are, right? So you know, you're not just talking about the average scam call. You know, you're talking about social engineering, highly targeted attacks, and some of them were even state backed. So before these types of security procedures were primarily reserved for politicians, yep. for government, they were really the only ones that experienced these types of threats. But now that it was moving into the high net worth space, we started a conversation. I said, well, what do you think about if I started a company that focused on this, but more user-friendly way that really caters to high net worth individuals, C-suite executives? Yep. It's a really white glove service offering. that's not here's a security device. know these lines of terminal code. You're not calling a generic 1-800-Customer-Service number. You're calling someone who knows you. It's a concierge uh, relationship. Exactly. When we set it up, we go through a threat analysis with you. We see the threats. We make suggestions on configuration, but it's a very collaborative process. We can come to you, for example. We've gone out to estates. We've gone to corporate offices, private jets, yachts. Sure. Uh, Wherever
1: there's a need, we're happy to send somebody. Your typical uh, buyer here is going to be or, or will be in the future. Uh, you know the private jet community, let's call it, right, are the folks that have 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 uh, something to lose, right, in, in terms of their communication and it's the one whose time extremely
2: valuable, yeah. and they have confidential information sure. that's Think kind so. of desirable with by people that have the resources to extract this information.
3: Super interesting.
1: TGI <laughs> open.
3: Hi, my name's Steve Statler. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Williot, And I chose to answer the question about privacy and whether the world's going to end with uh, IoT. And reality is that, yeah, there are privacy issues to uh, manage. We're effectively opening a portal between every single thing and one of the greatest powers we've ever seen, the power of the internet, the cloud, and generative AI. So it's really important that we're thoughtful about this and we choose systems that have the foundations to implement security. My company is pioneering something called Ambient IoT where tags that are costing pennies can go on food, clothing, medicine. And in that case, it's gonna be really important that we are mindful about privacy and that we enable opt-in and allow people to choose. Some people are not gonna want the cloud to understand what they're drinking, eating, wearing, but there are immense benefits to IoT for those that do. Convenience, benefits in terms of uh, climate efficiency, savings, um, sustainability. So it's in our interest to manage this uh, topic, to empower people, to inform them, because if we do, we can uh, apply this huge power uh, to the world around us, and that's going to be good for business. It'll be good for people, and it'll also be good for the planet.
1: Can we talk maybe for a second about what's available now from continuously versus you know what comes tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. So this particular offerings are how Archpi network
2: offering, we're testing out with certain clients, a so very select group, but we plan on making it more broadly available. Yep. We feel we really have the security downwards, better than anything else that's available on the market at this point. Yeah. But we're continuously looking at and how it to really evolves work. all the time. And exactly, right. and we're constantly making improvements in that. But what we're really looking to focus on is the customer experience. Sure. And what we really look at, it's it's not what do we make this program because it's not a program. It's about different options and different resources we have for the client because every program is completely different to the client. It's directed by the client. We make make suggestions, but. It's up to the client. So it's really
1: mirror-making about capabilities and options. Sure, and this and this, just, just for uh, folks who don't know continuously, um, you're offering the, the connectivity service and you're offering the actual device, right at the end of the day, and this is all packaged up in some sort of uh, you know user-friendly
2: uh, option, right? Absolutely, so we're definitely a concierge off. Yeah. In addition to the security features we offer, the productivity, we can run on multiple networks depending okay. on the customer's preferences, domestic, international. We also offer services. Let's say you're a Fortune 500 executive and you're taking your family on a trip of a lifetime to Sahara, Africa or Antarctica, Sure. but you can't leave your executive team and be out of communication for that long, Right. but you're going to a part of the world that doesn't currently have cell tap. We can offer you a satellite phone that's particularly strong in this region. This is the security that we can offer. These are some of the limitations, but this is the
1: best solution that we can offer for your particular use case. So you're at MWC Las Vegas this week? Yes. So what that's interesting to hear. I mean, I, I assume, uh, like I've seen lots of displays, most of them are, uh a couple of, them. a lot of them are focused around industry buildings, uh, and AdDocs is very, you know, very traditional connectivity plays that we're, that we're seeing uh, grow, right? So. What's interesting to you here? What, uh, what are you getting excited about? I think the
2: use cases are changing for technology has yeah. been around for a long time. The tech, the core technology may have been around for a long time, but its power is increasing and the capacity of this technology is increasing, so that means there's a much broader use of use cases. Sure. We've had edge computing for a long time.
1: Yeah. But now that we have AI that requires lower latency. Yeah. There's lots of discussion. I didn't mention in the examples, but lots of edge-related discussions in general, right? Where does the compute come right? And I think it's a, it's obviously a major focus here when you think about the next 12 months, right? In general, I like to think about like milestones, like something that you that you really are like aiming for, like that you think, hey, in 12 months it would be great if we're here, uh, or that you expect from like a broader, you know, industry or technology form, like things that you think are super, super interesting.
2: I'm actually really excited about the rapid advancement in large language models. We've had large language models for a very long time. Yep. They're now getting much more powerful. I think we've reached the peak of the size. Yep. So we've really realized how big does it make sense before we start to have diminishing yep. return. Now that we have that, how do we use that in the best, yep. most efficient way? You know, we've been playing let's say for the past year where it's really been in the public's the public's eye yep. and the companies are really trying to integrate as much as possible. But I think where the real innovation is going to lie in the next 12 months is, okay, we have this. What's the most efficient way to use it? And where is that found? Right. You know, we have to take into account it's extraordinarily expensive to run these types of algorithms sure. compared to standard computing.
1: Well, I think we see that already on the other side when you talk about users of the tool, right? I, I think it's a you made an interesting comment in the beginning there, you know, that there are a lot of parallels, right, to, to what you talked about continuously that the reason generative AI took off as quickly as it did in recent months was because of the user experience, right? Yes. It opens it up with ChatGPT and everybody else now, right? Now we see the some of the limitations, right, <laughs> With the technology. These early technology in a lot of ways. We're seeing it mature, right? this' That's a little, uh, Yeah general public education. What are the
2: limitations? Where is it appropriate yeah. to use? Where do we have uh, safety issues or risk and things like that? that but where's uh, the value? And I think there's also tremendous value in it, yeah. of course. I mean, I don't think that can be overstated. Yeah. What's really exciting to me is is we have students at high-end affluent suburb sure. using the tools like ChatGPT, and we have people in third world countries who are totally. students in these countries that have very, very little access to yeah. a computer, very little access to the internet, interacting with that same tool. Right. So I, I'm really excited to see 20, 25 years from now, yeah. you know, what effect does that have? What are the ramifications of them having mm-hmm. access to that? You know,
1: equitable access in general is obviously super important. When you take technology that, you know, obviously relies on connectivity still to, to varying degrees, right? but you, that access becomes even more important, right? Because you really need to be able to, you know, you need to give people the pipeline to even have the discussion chat GPT right? So in a way, it puts more pressure, and, and in another way, it's so encouraging, right, to see that when you do introduce those tools, what is the outcome of that? Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, as this as this gets uh, as this gets more mature, we'll only see more exciting things out.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think it also makes sense. A lot of companies are going to start to evaluate where they are. How many AI algorithms do we have to run in this particular data and beta set before we start seeing the ROI yeah. decrease on these insights. Yeah. So I like to use this example. The average person who can identify that that particular mammal in the woods over there is an animal. Sure. We have another person who's slightly more educated okay. and say that particular mammal is a possum. Right. We have a park ranger who can say that particular mammal is a black striped possum. Sure. We have a general algorithm that can say that's an animal. Yeah, because we have a, exactly, you have a, another algorithm that's slightly larger, has a much larger data set that can say that's a possum. Then we have a much more of a niche one that's much more advanced, much larger algorithm, much more specialized, yeah. much more expensive, much more processing resources that can say that's a black striped possum. Yeah. Now, where is the ROI and the insight versus yeah. the cost to get you to? Need that? to know that it's a black exactly. And do we friends want friends. to run the largest algorithm yeah. to figure yeah. that out, or do we just want to run a smaller algorithm that's
1: just gonna say that's the animal? If I'm drive self-driving car, don't hit it. It's a great analogy, and I think we you know we already see and I, we see it like really practically even today, right? Because we you know we as an organization, and I'm sure every organization, based on the discussions I've had, uh, is focused on okay, when do we need to make the call to the chat GPT, right, or the whatever the whatever the tool so, is. Because at the end of the day, if you if you open up uh, access to everyone who wants to have an inquiry or just have a discussion, right, it all of a sudden becomes a very expensive venture, right? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm sure as the technology matures, I'm sure there'll still be uh, lots of discussion around the, the monetization. But the ROI piece, I think, is uh, is, is super important. We, and we're seeing it in the day-to-day usability of the tools, but also in the broader discussions about the value of the output. And is that really going to improve your business? Is it really going to mean that you can do things more efficiently or, or provide a, a, an innovative solution that you couldn't provide before, right? You know, Based on every discussion I've had, we're still like, the jury's still in process, right? Like we're still figuring out uh, what that's gonna look like in three, six, nine, point months, months.
2: Yeah, which I think is actually is a good segue into something else, talk about some of our other initiatives. Yeah, sure, I'd love translate. to hear what you guys are, where you're going next. So we started out with the ultra Premium Secure Offering, which for the right user, the value is there. Sure. So then we have another offering which is more focused towards large corporations. Okay. These large corporations, they don't need someone going out to their private jet, they don't need someone going to their yacht. What they need is is they need a very high level of security and that customer service is mostly going to be taken over by their internal IT users. So for organizations that have over 250 users, we offer a product that has very similar security features but doesn't have as much of a personal touch and as much of a a customer service component to it because we're talking to more sophisticated users in general that are much more technology savvy and they don't need all that custom configuration for
1: sterilization as well. Enterprise MDM has been around for a long time, right? The, the way that you know any organization, whether it's small or large, right, manages their devices and, and ensures access for their employees and things like that. For, for you guys, where do you see the niche there? Where do you see the, the interesting segment to circuit? For us, it's really the combined package of
2: the on-device hardening and also the network services so we're providing network services we're providing the device with varying levels of management different organizations have different tolerances they want certain levels of management they don't want certain levels they want us to have certain access to certain things they don't want some certain access. To things. so it's a very customizable solution and there's even different subgroups and organizations right we talked to some organizations that are in investment banking yeah they want their analysts through VPs to have this level of management, because they say this is not a particularly sophisticated user. On average, obviously we can make this, they only need this. But then they say, okay, everyone from MD and up, we want you to have less information, but we want you to have more customer service. So it's very tailored. We have certain customers who want us to retain absolutely no data, and our system is built with that type of an architecture where it can essentially pass the data through without recording it or maintaining minimal information. Sure. But then we have customers who want that similar level of security, but they're in a compliance industry where they have to retain logs. So we're able to change the system so it actually does retain it. So a lot of companies, they create a system where it retains the logs and then it deletes them right afterwards. Whereas ours actually does not record these things rather than deleting it five minutes later, ten minutes later. Versus it's a totally different system where we can turn on where it will record these things. Uh, Freaking fine. Guys, it's a toggle switch that he can not. Yeah, it's a toggle switch. And it's no logs capture versus a lot of our competitors. We delete the logs after five minutes, but those logs are still
1: created. I certainly won't pretend to be a detail in uh, the compliance requirements, but I'm sure that's a major thing and that uh, you have to tackle it based on the industry. And the regulation. Absolutely. If I, if financial services industries
2: have yes, been sure. facing a lot of challenges the two years. We've seen some very large players yeah. get fines, very large sums of money for failing to meet compliance standards yeah. and using third-party encrypted messaging apps, which... We recommend certain apps to certain customers, but they don't retain things, which is great for this particular use case, but it's not compliant for a lot of organizations. Your
1: potential customer shouldn't be thinking about it as a cost, right? It's, uh, it's more like-
2: It's a cost saving Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could pay for this particular phone service for many, many years based on one fine. I mean, it's never just one fine. So, so. Wireless is a very personal industry. I, Communications is very personal. We use these devices to communicate with our most intimate relationships. We have this phone with us. We don't wear the same piece of clothing every day. We don't wear the same piece of shoes. But we're carrying the same phone with us every single day. We're walking around MWC with it, yep. we're bringing it into the bathroom, yep. we're bringing it into our bed, we're bringing it everywhere sure. in between. So why does the service match that type of personalization? Yeah. in that? Really and that's kind of the approach that we're taking with our volume offering in yeah. all of our offerings. So we have a more mainstream offering division where we're working on a portfolio of niche brands. Sure. A lot of people approach the MVNO space and they say, I'm going to leave this target segment I've done to appeal to as broad of an audience right. as possible, reach as many people as you yeah. can, and yep. which is the, the complete opposite of the approach we're taking. Wireless is extremely personal, and everyone has significantly different needs.
1: You know, we we talk about this in our our, uh, in our kind of digital brand offering, right? This this kind of level of, of digital fragility, right? of flexibility to to personalize things, to customize them based on almost a limitless number Absolutely. of variables, right? Because I think. You know, the challenge we obviously uh, know in the telco industry is that the, the systems are heavy, right? It's complex. There are lots of variables. There are lots of regulations, as you mentioned, uh, and a lot of that is staying, right? Like, not, none of that goes away, but you still need to be able to operate in this this kind of agile way and, and deliver services that are distinct for different segments and in different markets. So, I don't think I'm saying uh, anything out of line with the market when I say that it's becoming more popular, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, the, and, you know, digital brands have been around for years, but are taking maybe new flavors, which I think is in a way is super interesting because it's it's more innovation for the industry, right? Uh, that's what we see uh, in general.
2: Oh, absolutely. With a further point of network applications, you know, we don't just want to differentiate based upon branding or even particular brand values. We want to offer services for each of these different user segments that provides value, so value adds yep. that are created just for this particular segment, whether or not it's a particular religious group that has these religious needs, certain content blocked, Certain times calls directed voicemails for holidays, or it's a child-safe brand yep. that blocks certain content. Gives the parents control, lets them see messages if certain keywords are brought up. Sure. If certain numbers, like an unknown number, comes up that might be potentially a predator or something like that, the parents are notified. They can turn the device off during school hours. Maybe they say we want the device not to work during school hours, but we always want to be able to call mom or dad or text mom and dad or grandma or someone like that. For senior citizens, this same thing. We're able to, at this point, as senior citizens, able to have full access to their phone, but maybe they start to develop dementia and they're, sure. and they're vulnerable to fall prey to the telephone scammers, which is a huge growing yep. problem. Yep. Yeah, so maybe we can say only these approved numbers of family members, pharmacy, uh, delivery services are approved, yep. and they can change that. And maybe as the dementia progresses, we further
1: limit the service, but we want to give the users that type of a control. Yep. Excellent. I think it's, uh, it's super exciting. I'm kind of waiting anxiously to, to see what you guys do. We've got some exciting, uh, exciting announcements coming for you. I'm sure. I am waiting also to see you on Shark Tank. I'm sure that that's uh, where, where you're going to end up at some point, just because it's uh, it, it seems like you're well prepared. Uh, before we get going, we have our TGI to go, which is the most exciting part of the uh, of the discussion. And it's really where I get to quiz you with questions that you have not seen, that you have no idea what they are, that are just a lot of fun. We get to we get to hear everyone's opinion on uh, on different uh, yes or no questions. Yeah. Essentially, right. So you ready? Yes.
0: TGI
1: to go. So first, David Copperfield or Chris Angel? David Copperfield. It's very definable. Yes, very I've seen the there. Oh, It's wonderful. Oh, ah, okay. So I, I, by the way, are they one of them, one or both is still in Vegas? I don't know. They, they, I'm not sure. I saw it many years ago. but Chris Angel was here too. for a while. So. Um, uh, Martha's Vineyard or Provincetown? Martha's Vineyard. Have you been to both? I have. Uh, I live in Massachusetts. Not very oh, far from Okay. So this makes your decision a lot easier. Absolutely. I'm very familiar with both. Actually, the, the, the next question you're really going to like. So clam chowder or gazpacho? Gazpacho. Oh, no? okay. I, 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 I was a big seafood, seafood fan. fan. No, no not I, a big I, seafood I, fan. I didn't expect kayaking or, or hiking? Hiking. Okay. So kind of fits the Massachusetts. Yeah. I, I hike pretty right? much every weekend. Oh, good for me. Impressed. Uh, last one. Sci-fi or thrillers? Probably thrill. I get enough sci-fi in my day job. Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. You get to think about the the future of tech in uh, your daily. Job. Exactly. I do have a little bit of break with a thriller. So, no, no, I get it. It's not nice the... and relaxing. For Good sure. thriller for sure. All right. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. We really my appreciate pleasure. it. Enjoyed the discussion, and uh, we look forward to seeing big things out of continuously. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I am excited to be joined by Amber Kerr, the Director of Software and Information Management at Union. Welcome to the show, Amber. Well, thank you, it's great to be here. Absolutely. So I wanted to maybe start by you know introducing Union, give you a chance to kind of tell us what you what you do, where you are in the market, that kind of thing. So if you can help us out with that.
4: Well, I certainly can. Uh, Union Telephone has been around, well incorporated since 1914. Uh, we service uh, Wyoming, a little bit of Colorado, Utah, Idaho. We build our own towers with the We provide broadband, fixed wireless, wireless.
1: Cool. So you're so you're kind of you're a, basically a full service connectivity provider, right? So you're wireless and broadband. And and you started as a as a I don't know if I can say wireless started as a landline company, right? Many years ago? Yes, all the way back to the bullets with barbed wire. <laughs> I like that. That's very good. You're uh, uh, still basically a family-owned company, right?
4: Yes, uh, the, the same family has owned Union since its uh, inception. I am here today with one of my chief officers, who is a member of that ramway.
1: Awesome! That's. Uh, I think that's. I, I would have to probably venture to say that's pretty unique. I'm not sure I've seen that in a lot of places. So Wyoming, Wyoming was the star, I guess, right? Correct. Right. Right? Why do you exist there? What do you, What do you do for Wyoming? And for now, for the other states, you've expanded to and that.
4: Well, the company started out for providing service where there wasn't any service, and we still do that. You know, doesn't matter if you're rural or in an urban setting. Your customers deserve the same quality of service.
1: I love that. I think you you probably, I'm sure you know uh, that, you know, equitable access is like uh, the menu du jour for the last, I don't know, 10 years probably, right, where it's been super, super popular. And and people think about North America and they think, oh, it's, it's like, you know, this evolved mature market and there's you know, great coverage and you look at 5G coverage maps from all the big, you know, players and you think, oh, everything is, everything is great, right? Like there's no, no issue with connectivity. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, you and, and, and others like you and probably have a slightly different story, right? I have a different view of that.
4: Right. I mean, America is a vast space. There's so much space in Wyoming. I mean, sure. there's way, there's much more wildlife than there are people. Sure. Putting service in those areas where there might be one person that you're serving.
1: Yeah. You know, how can you make it make sense kind of a thing right
4: yeah and it's not just that it's like the the logistics of it yeah it might actually be pretty impossible to
1: get for sure
4: service because there are no rows there you might have to fly there
1: or right right, right. Yeah. <laughs> fly uh, fly a drone over the uh, over the mouth to see what you're actually uh, see what you're actually doing right yeah one thing that I think was was interesting and I noticed this actually in your your email signature is bu well. Does it play a daily role for you? Like, is this, is this like uh, you wake up in the morning and this is front of mind for you?
4: Well, yes, these are, our, these are our core values. This is what the value in our employees. Sure. These are the people that are a big union of what it is, what it has been. We like to keep those forefront in everyone's memory, you know, Sure. Uh, to remain purpose-driven, to remain humble, Uh, to remain earnest. It is also a reflection of the area itself and the customers. Uh, Especially in this type of area, people have always had to work together for a common purpose. Um, They've had to hold each other up.
1: It's a true true community, right, in a lot of ways. It's a different uh, different culture in a way, right? Yeah, it's all about helping everyone else. Right, right. One of the things that you talk about in the in, the, the in Unions vision is is you know always ensuring that you have current tech right to, to support these uh, to support your customers and support I C U expansion and things like that. How does how do you balance you know all of these new emerging technologies right the, the need for fire you know fiber access right the need for fiber access boom How do you balance that with like the practical you know implications of, of operating in a market that's challenging like you know I C U Wyoming is.
4: It's always it's a it's kind of a tight walk, real. Sure. It's a balance. speed yeah. uh, want to to provide service that's no you know profitable, um, but you know it really is about providing a really good service to the people in our areas. We live there too, right? right. We
1: want this service. This, this is your community. Right? Yeah. You know, we also, you know, in every level, right? Even for the major uh, providers, right? That obviously one of the the main topics, right, is, is return on investment for these, you know, significant spectrum models. I think everybody has a different flavor of this challenge, right? It's a question yeah. of how much, you know, how much market can you touch and how many people can you reach in order to, to, to cover your expenses there, right? Cover the cost of building that out. So, you know, how many people do you serve today? First off, maybe that'll give people an idea of, of how big companies. We serve about 40 to 50,000. <laughs> 40 to 50,000. Okay. You know, if you, if you look ahead for union, right, the company's been around a long time. And investing in lots of in lots of technology and access, do you have like a north star that that's going to be, you know, fifty thousand people at a certain point? Is it is there a, a population you haven't reached yet that's kind of on your on your roadmap so to speak?
4: Well, of course, we always want to have the two hundred thousand. Sure, sure. Growing, and we we will we be working towards that. But uh, as we expand our our fiber uh, throughout the state, sure, um, and offer different yes. bundling type type plans, you know, from broadband all the way to wire
1: Right, right. This is a major, uh, a major driver. And and do you guys, you fix wireless at all? Like, is okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was included in the, uh, the overall solutions. Are you like, I think most of the folks that I've spoken with that that are seeing that kind of grow materially? Like, is that a a growth kind of engine for you? Yes.
4: Yes. That is definitely something that we are are using and deploying. Sure. Sure. That's sometimes the best and only solution in certain areas. Right uh, right. until we can get fiber to the to the prime in those areas. Not not possible
1: everywhere, right? So
4: well, at least not yet.
1: TGI. Open mic.
5: Hi, my name is Mushtaq Ahmed. I started my company called Ipsis almost seventeen years back. Connectivity and wireless communication started at the very beginning of my business. So I used to start building networks in Africa. So that is where we have actually continued up to 2018. And 2019, I moved to US and specifically in Silicon Valley. So one of the greatest problem in the humidity we are facing that still like almost half of the people are not connected. We wanted to build a network that can give like affordable, high-speed internet connectivity to the global population. We cannot do that with the traditional manufacturer manufacture and the equipment manufacturing and all those industries status quo. So we needed to innovate something that we can actually control the pricing. We have available like 4G network available anywhere in the world or any band or frequency and we have open source core network available. Anybody can deploy their own private 5G network, whether it's the US or globally. Secondly, we have also like very high density or specific radius that we release this mobile World Congress with AMD, that can actually do like X-RUN. So a lot of problems that we face in Africa, also like the same problem even in the United States, like sometimes it is costly to operate a cell site and where you put like tons of equipment, then the safety security of it giving the power became very difficult. So now we got like this X-RUN technology built in with our radio, so you can have a radio in a site and then you can run your base station many miles far from the radio. So that eliminates the stealing and like all those stuff in Africa, for example, or even there is a space crisis in Bangladesh and a lot of developing countries. Equally true in the United States because we are investing heavily on fiber, but the fiber needs to have like access network, which is like private 5G or even like 5G network. So even if in the fiber, because of a high speed fiber, like Xpon type of fiber, you can have a central like those baseband processing and you can have many different radios all over your coverage areas. So that gives you reduced reduction, like almost 60, 70% of the reduction of operation cost. And also in the capex would be like 30 to 40% capex cost. That is the way because why uh, United States still like 20 million people are not connected. So one of the reason of this connectivity problem because cellular network operators, they are not building the network for the areas where Channel rate is high, average revenue per user is very low, as well as like there's no growth in there. So these are the three issues are primary factor for not having like rural high-speed uh, mobile wireless connection. So we believe like our technology that we are offering in the United States in CBRS and also like any other bands, that can be like cost-effective and it can actually do better job for the rural areas, even like even urban areas it can do, but it will able to save cost for the operator and also connect a uh, lot more users. Uh,
1: one of the things that uh, I-, I think I've talked to everyone that I've uh, chatted with this week here and-, and certainly that we see in a big way at MWC Las Vegas uh, is is AI in general, right? Uh, there's lots of other topics, but this, of course, is an overarching Right and and, AI has been around for a long time. It's not a new, not a new technology, but but you know we see it's really here, right? We we see that this is a major, a major thing. So I wonder, as Union, how do you how do you think about AI? Do you think about it in terms of your operations? Do You think about it in terms of uh, you know how you experience for your customers? What 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 do you think about?
4: Well, um, I think even as like if I go broader and go you know for the whole telecom industry, I think you're going to see a especially in small telecoms, a sure. uh, greater and greater adoption of uh, AI and machine learning to improve customer experience
1: uh, to, let's say, delight our customers. We want to delight them more. Of course. Right? <laughs> more, more delight is better, right? right? Right. And I think we saw that this was, you know, chatbots, I think, were, were kind of like, you know, one of the early things where we, you know, let's call pre-jetter AI, right, where we saw... Widespread adoption. I wouldn't say widespread success, but we certainly saw widespread adoption, right? And and different levels of quality in the in the uh, the chatbot experience. And I think uh, a lot of people in the industry, right, looked at that as the next, you know, logical evolution, right? So okay, so you went from this thing that's pretty good from a natural language perspective, right? Now it can be better for natural language. The interactions with the customers can be better, um, and you can have it do things, right? You can have it change service offerings. You can have it. Uh, explain things that would normally be a contact center inquiry or a call to your office, right? So, right. I, I think it's um, to me, and, and again, this is based on what I'm, what I'm hearing from other other folks I talked with. It kind of touches everything, right? It's it's customer experience, but it's also really everything. It has the potential to touch every uh, every element, right? Of oh yeah, the way we operate, right? It, I mean, even as just a a human race is going
4: right, to change, right, right. I think greatly in the next few years. Um, I can't wait to see what's happening
1: with it. Uh, um,
4: you know, you hear a lot of things on generative AI and controversy surrounding that, <laughs> you know. Uh,
1: and there right, are also some yeah, big projections
4: and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but we as a human race are very adaptable. Sure. We're going to adapt to this. We're going to to use this, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen.
1: I, I, I like that answer, by the way, because I think the, you know, I, I'm starting to see, we do we do kind of a, uh, a fair amount of work in this space, and, and I think what we saw relatively quickly, at least with the current technology's capabilities, right, is that it, it becomes more of an enhancement to everything that we do versus a replacement, and I think you know, I'm not saying I won't get to a replacement of certain things long-term, right? And, and there are some tasks and things like that that will go away. But, you know, I think the early, uh, I'll call it the fear-mongering, right, that we started to see, you know, the day after ChatGPT was released, right, um, has kind of simmered down, right? And people have started to say, okay, maybe like, no, maybe it's not so bad, right? Like, maybe it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to us and get going to take all of our jobs tomorrow, right? So how often have you used ChatGPT in the last day? Uh, so this is a trick question, because in theory in theory, I should be using it probably more than I, than I am. Um, and I was, actually it was funny. I was talking to uh, one of our, our colleagues here who helps with the uh, podcast Liz, um, and she's been a social media person for a long time, and we were kind of debating offline the, the, the merits of like you know, yes, it's helpful, right? Like we can use it for certain things but we like the struggle of like writing certain things like we there, there's part of uh, part of understanding like you know what is this content you're creating right are the messages the right messages things like that so for something basic like a basic something foundational like chat gpt i can't call it basic right there's a balance right i think i think we find that you can't use it for everything right but but certainly there are places where it, it saves time right and makes things easier and uh, I'm sure that will only get will only get better. But but I should ask you the same question: Do you use it routinely, or is it, uh... Uh,
4: I have probably used it four times today. <laughs> but um, I you know I find it easy to instead of just going and googling something, I find sure. much better results. Yes, uh, for yes. for questions uh, for research, I would right. primarily use it when I'm trying to learn something. Right. right. Uh, or if I need something worded differently to. What? You know, uh, I don't always have a good marketing that I mean, sure, my words sure. sound pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, I think all of us can use that, right? I think that's, so, it's been really useful, yeah. uh, for things like that and for sure. basically research and getting ideas.
1: Yep, yep, yep. No, I think it's a it's a it's a good point. I I, I probably dumbed it down a little bit of my response to uh, you know basic text tasks, but you're right; it's much much more than that. and much smarter, so I think that's uh, that, that's great. You know, maybe I'll ask you about. You know, the next I, I like this question about the next twelve months, like because I think the answer to this is different for every person who I who I asked, right? And looks very different based on what they're focused on. So if, if you think about the next twelve months, and by the way, this this question doesn't have to be union specific, right? It can be industry, it can be wherever you want to go with it. Is there something that gets you, you know, excited or some milestone, you know, you have in your mind that you think would be you know, like I want to see this happen as well as Mars.
4: I'm just really excited to see what's going to come next with AI yeah. and machine learning. I, The world is going to change sure. um, for the better in many ways and possibly for the worse. Right. But I'm going to go with the positive side of sure, that. Sure, I like that. And we're going to see healthcare advances, technology advances. It's going to help us learn things faster. I just can't wait to see that's going to happen because it's growing just like technology grows. Right. Technology right. grows exponentially. Right. Um, and AI is technology. Yep. So I can't another wait to another see what's, flavor. It's,
1: it's exciting to be alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. A little. I'll ask you in five years when you're uh, back if you if you uh, how you feel about the uh, the prediction and the statement. But I think uh, I no, I agree with you. It's it's uh, it's huge promise, and and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's you know it all goes in a in a good direction, right? Yeah, and by the way, I should have asked you in, in a comment you made. Maybe think about it. Does Union cater to consumer mostly, or or businesses, or both? Like, what's the uh, both, we yeah. Both, uh, so you're types you're going fiber to, to, to offices and things like that, small medium business, that kind of thing. Of course. Okay. Well, cool. yep. yeah. I assumed, but I, I just didn't uh, clarify it up front. So yeah, I wanted to check. We're here in MWC Las Vegas. I have to ask. So so you're here for a reason. I assume. What was exciting? What was interesting? Did you see anything that surprised you, in a good or bad? <laughs> One room
4: that just is stuck in my head. Sure. Uh, it really wasn't anything to do with union, but they were using AI to scan. Your uh, to detect
1: uh, possibility of uh, coming down with dementia. Ah, coming down with dementia—that's interesting. I actually didn't see that. That's—I uh, I won't pretend to know the physics behind that, but I'm—it's uh, <laughs> uh, a pretty. I, I love the idea, right? If it works. Um, yeah, if it you
4: works, know. and but but the idea, yes, yeah. it's, it's just really cool. You see a lot of really cool different different things here that uh, maybe you wouldn't expect. Sure. To yeah. It does use things like IoT to the separation. So yeah. um, that's why they're here, and and you get to see how how the industry touches so many other industries, right? Like right. such as healthcare, right? Transportation.
1: Yep. yep. No, I think it's it's, it's a good point. In fact, I was talking with you. One of my other guests was uh, Caroline Chen. She's a, kind of one of the uh, network VPs at, at Intel. One of the things that they're super excited about, of course, is the is the uh, the enterprise business broadly. And she gave some some other you know examples that were similar around healthcare. Uh, I think I actually heard from one of my other uh, guests that that you know this was like between healthcare, manufacturing, and maybe one other. Those were really like some of the major like tomorrow prophecies, right? Like the things that we really think are going to make a huge impact. I, I have to say, we we you know at, at Amdocs we, we have a five G lab in our in our uh, Dallas office, and one of the earliest use cases that I can remember, it's been a couple of years now, was around healthcare. It's around remote, uh, remote surgery and, and kind of uh, the ability to, to remote in, essentially, from an expert and be able to help in real time, right? Um, and, and it was interesting because I think in my mind, uh, as a lay person, right, I, I, uh, I assumed that they would be conducting the surgery remotely. But what we found is that uh, and we worked with a partner uh, on this as well, is that it was more about having the expertise available for, like, the process, right? So they're doing some sort of brain surgery or heart surgery or something, um, and you can't replicate the expertise everywhere, right? Uh, so there are all of these, like, I would say flavors or, or layers of, of benefits that probably will come out of 5 g for so a lot of them we don't even we don't even know yet, right? We maybe haven't seen them uh, in practice. But so when you mentioned the uh, the dimension, when I think it's a great example because I I've not have even thought about it, right? It's it's uh, something new to me as well. So first, uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I think uh, Union super interesting. I hope I actually get to Wyoming at one point in my life. I haven't been there. That's on my on my list. I know you're bigger than Wyoming, but it's it's been. Uh, been on my list for a while to get up there also montana but I've, i'm not uh i haven't i haven't boarded the uh boarded the flight yet so i have one last uh piece of piece of punishment here for you it's called our uh, uh tgi to go so this is the great indoors uh to go we do five rapid fire uh questions where you where we ask you uh one thing or the other and there's no nope. wrong answers look at pressure uh you can't get it wrong i'll find it that way you okay you ready yep i'm ready, ready.
0: TGI
1: to go. Lake Powell or Lake Tato? Tato. Like a confident answer, like a, you were there. All right. Uh, Breckenridge or Park City? Breckenridge. Have you been to both? Depends on the Breckenridge you (laughs) speak. Oh, sorry. I should say Breckenridge, Colorado. I I don't know. I'm sure there's more than one. That's probably a a fair comment. So, yes, yes. But you're with you're with Breckenridge. This is your uh, your vote. Uh, That is my experience. They're both great. So there's no wrong answer. (laughs) Uh, Steak or chili? Chili. London or Paris? London. Yeah. I have to say, London is like. I love it and I hate it, right? It's so easy, like you're, it's so accessible. You can get there really easily from almost anywhere. to in the middle. I think it's like the middle of the world, right? But uh, but then again, I haven't spent any time in Paris, so it's hard to. Yeah, the best
4: places. I oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, but I said London because it just is easier.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Paris is not the. It's not as accessible. Let's call it. Uh, and then yoga or running, yoga. Really, definitely. I got, uh, I got, uh, I think I got a 50-50 answer on the folks that I asked about that one. So, uh,
4: so it's I'm a guessing. Good... All of us were very strongly one side or the other. <laughs> I, I would say
1: very. Lots of conviction, right, about yes. about the answers on, on, on all the questions, by the way. So, uh, well, Amber, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for sharing uh, Union Story, for talking to us a little bit about what you do. I hope um, if you end up at MWC Barcelona or if you end up back here next year, I hope you'll come and talk with us again. Really appreciate it. I will. And uh, I hope you have safe travels back on.
4: Well, thank you. thank you.
1: I certainly enjoyed my discussions both with Brandon and with Amber in this episode. Uh, If you did too, I hope you'll leave us a review on your favorite platform of choice. If you'd like to learn more, please go to mdocs.com forward slash the great indoors. Have a great day.